Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Judges, chapter 7, so grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. That's it, God. Whatever I'm going to serve you and be free to persevere in this thing called Christianity. Cast it off. Get rid of it. Do it. And God will begin to use you. So Gideon obeys the Lord. And now here in chapter 7, he's ready for the battle. He sounds the trumpet to call the men and prepare to fight the Midianites. He gets up early in the morning and encamp beside the spring of Harod or Harad. That word Harad literally means trembling. I like that because most certainly these guys were trembling because Gideon had a battle before him, and they knew that they didn't have the resources to fight this battle. So they're in this place called Trembling. They knew they were outnumbered, and before them was this huge battle. And so God says, Gideon, he says, okay, they have 32,000 men in their army. And God says, Gideon, uh, we're going to have a riff. A riff? Yeah, R-I-F, riff. In the military, that's a reduction in force. I remember that. I was a part of the riff in 1990. I was in the military. If you, you've been in the military, you know. I was a part of that riff. In 1990, the military had a reduction in force. And that's actually how I got out of the Navy, by the way. I don't think I'd tell. 1992? 1992, I went to Saudi in 1990. It was 19, my, my wife is in the audience. Two. You know how exact the ladies are, fellas, you know? She's like, two. Two, man. 1992. And, and I don't know that I tell this part of the story much, but I, I got out of the military because they had this reduction in force and they had, it, uh, they had voluntary and involuntary. And for my particular job, I could voluntarily, if I liked, apply or put in a request to get out of the Navy. And so when they, you know, I fit a certain window, you had to be a certain, you know, category, and I did in a certain rank in certain many years. And so I did, and they had, I had just reenlisted and moved from California to Scott Air Force Base in Illinois. So they had this reduction in force and voluntary. And I said to my wife, I said, now here I am at 13 years. I said to my wife, I said, maybe I should apply to get out. I don't even know why I thought this. Because now I know. God thing, God thing. But then I didn't know. And I'm like, well, maybe I should just get out the military. And I had just reenlisted for four years. So this didn't make any sense. But I said to my wife, well, maybe I should just get out and apply for this reduction in force deal. And they'll pay me cash money and I'll just go. And so she said, well, okay, honey, go ahead. So, and I'm thinking, ah, I'm not going to even do it. I'm just going to apply for it and see what happens, you know. So I put in my request. They sent it to Washington. It came back approved. 
I'm like, man, I wasn't expecting that, you know? So we got out. And it was interesting because the day that I got out, the day that I walked out of the out of the Navy, that was the day that that door closed for my particular category to get out of the Navy, that very day. And so I got out as a result of that reduction in force, got out of the military and went into, you know, we moved back to California. And God began to change my life and God began to change the focus of my life. Again, I didn't want to be a pastor. I wasn't planning to be a pastor. I was just wanting to serve the Lord. Actually, I was working on a gospel album, and I wanted to record gospel music and make Christian videos and, and have a fun time and, uh, and maybe make a little money on the side. Who knows, you know? And uh, buy those Cheerios. I, you know, I'm doing something. And so God just began to, to, to use my life. And, um, and I was blown away because I never thought I was pastor material, which I have since come to learn that God really uses weird people. And um, it's the truth. If you want to be a Calvary pastor, you have to be really weird. You do. And most of the Calvary pastors read that book, Harvest. It's true. And, uh, but, you know, even Mike McIntosh, I don't know if you know his story, but he had done so many drugs, they said that he was so drug addicted, his brain would never be the same. Mike McIntosh has started 25 or 30 churches in the San Diego area alone, and he has a huge church. God, I have learned, calls men who the world would never call to ministry. God calls men you would never think. You know, if you, if you want to be in ministry, come talk to me, and I'll tell you. You know, if, you, if you're crazy enough, weak enough, and humble, God can use you. That's the prerequisite. God wants to use us. And so God has this rift. There are 32,000 Israelites. Now, you got a pen? You want to mark this down and write this down. There are 32,000 Israelites, 135,000 Midianites. The odds now are four to one. That means that every Israelite has to kill four Midianites. Now, I don't get the impression that any of these guys was the Mel Gibson Braveheart patriot types. Uh, they, they, They really weren't. I mean, they were shaking in their sandals. And then God says, fellas, you got too many. Why? Because if you win the battle, you're going to take credit. You see, whatever good happens in the church, God is the one who wants to get credit for it. I got to tell you something, tell you a little secret. I remember at some time ago, uh, there were some people who, who began to take credit for what happened here at Calvary Chapel. And they started telling people, you know, I did this and I did that. And that's why that church is the way it is. And I'll tell you something. You start talking like that. Give me my 36 inches. Because you got God to deal with. God will share his glory with. Uh Uh-uh. No, 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 no. God won't share his glory. And if you won't give him glory for what he does, he'll stop doing it. That's all he wants is a thank you. Isn't that great? He doesn't say go to Calvary's cross, get up on the cross, get nailed and hang between two thieves. Come down, die, resurrect again, and then I'll be praised. He just says, look, why don't you just say thank you? Can you just say, Lord, Thank you. You did it, not me. Your glory, not mine. Lord, less of me and more of you. Can't you just thank God? Listen, you guys, 
Don't ever forget to be thankful. And I think a large part of why we're missing it in our Christianity many times is because we're not thankful. Even if you get a gift this Christmas that you really hate, try your best. Be thankful. <laughs> and use it as a white elephant. No, I'm sorry. I shouldn't say can't do that. And so God says, send home those that are fearful and immediately, did you get that out of our text? 22,000 left. Now I think that's pretty funny because these guys looked at each other and they're probably like, hey, are you afraid? Yeah, I'm afraid. You afraid? Yeah, I'm scared. And you know, I'm, 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 I'm really scared. And at 22,000 of them, they leave, which means, which means that Gideon's army is now 10,000. And now the odds, they were four to one. That mean, now the odds, uh, odds are 14 to one. That means for every Jew or every Israelite, he's got to kill 14 Midianites. So God is really stretching Gideon. The odds were four to one. Now they're 14 to one. Amazing. And Gideon's thinking, man, how are we going to do it? And now God says, you still have too many, Gideon. Look at this in verse four. But the Lord said to Gideon in verse four, the people are still too many. It's like God lighten up. The people are still too many. Bring them down to the water and I'll test them for you there. Then it will be that of whom I say to you, this one shall go with you, the same shall go with you. And of whomever I say to you, this one shall not go with you, the same shall not go. And so he brought the people down to the water. And the Lord said to Gideon in verse 5, everyone who laps from the water with his tongue as a dog laps, you shall set apart by himself. Likewise, everyone who gets down on his knees to drink. And the number of those who lapped, putting their hand to their mouth, like with a cup, was 300 men. But all the rest, that would be 9,700 men, all the rest of the people got down on their knees to drink the water. And then the Lord said to Gideon, by the 300 men who lapped, I will save you and deliver the Midianites into your hand. Let all the other people go. Every man to his place. And so the people took provisions, their trumpets in their hands, and he sent them away, all the rest of Israel, every man to his tent, and retained those 300 men. Now the camp of Midian was below him in the valley. Now, the odds, the odds, look at me, stop right there, look at me. The odds are crazy. It's crazy. It was four to one when there was 32,000, 14 to one when there was 10,000 and 907 or 9,700 of those left leaving 300. And now the odds are 450 to one. You're talking about the place of impossibility. This is crazy. That means that for every one Israelite, this one Israelite has to kill 450 Midianites. Listen, Mel Gibson can't kill that many. God, you know that. So the odds are crazy right now. So 300 men are going to fight against 135,000 Midianites. And keep in mind, the Israelites, these were, they were never trained in battle. It's very interesting. Look at the scriptures. They were never trained in battle. These guys didn't go to boot camp. They had no horses, no camels, no scud missiles, nothing. 
The Midianites were war machines. They knew and understood battle. So Gideon and his men, this is looking like a suicide mission is what it looks like at this point. Now, God likes these odds of 450 to 1. You remember Elijah the prophet? He was on Mount Carmel, and there were 450 prophets of Baal. You remember that? God likes these crazy odds. 450 prophets of Baal, you remember, and they were up there duking it out, you know. And, you know, Elijah calls down fire from heaven. God consumes the sacrifice there. And then he slew all the 450 prophets of Baal. And so Elijah took the 450 prophets, killed them with the sword. And God got the glory. There is the point. God got the glory. And so God said, Gideon, the men who got down on their knees and put their face in the water to drink, God sent them home. But the men who took their hand and made it like a cup and brought the water to their face and lapped it up with their tongue was 300 men, and God used them. They call this area Gideon Springs. These men, these 300 men, God used them because they were men of faith, because they were humble men. See, to even be associated like with a dog or to act like a dog or look like a dog, to associate with a dog was the most insulting and despicable thing you can do. And so while lapping the water like a dog, they could keep their eye on the enemy. And so these 300 men were willing to be humiliated. And that's why God used them, because they were humble and they were faithful, not necessarily fearless. This is a very fearful situation. Just because you're fearful doesn't mean God can't use you. What God cannot use is if your fear paralyzes you and immobilizes you and you can't move forward with what God is telling you to do. It was a very fearful thing for Elvira and I to move here and didn't know anybody, didn't have any money, no place to live and no jobs. That was a pretty fearful thing. But we have to be obedient to the Lord, even though we are fearful. So God can use fearful people. And Gideon was fearful. He was very afraid. We talked about that. These men were fearful, but men of faith. They were humble men. And, and again, they were available. Notice in verse 9, and it happened the same night that the Lord said to him, Arise and go against the camp, for I have delivered it into your hand. You see, God's glory. But if you are afraid to go down and go down to the camp, with, go down to the camp with Pura, that's your, his buddy, your servant, and you shall hear what they say. And afterward, now get this here, Gideon, if you're afraid, then go down with Pura, your servant. And when you get there, you're going to hear what they say. And afterwards, your hand shall be strengthened to go down against the camp. Then he went down with Pura, his servant, to the outpost of the armed men who were in the camp. Now the Midianites, in verse 12, and the Amalekites, all the people of the east were lying in the valley as numerous as locusts, and their camels were without number as the sand by the seashore in multitude. And when Gideon had come, there was a man. Now get this. God thing, right at the right time, Gideon gets there, and there's a man telling a dream to his companion. He said, I've had a dream. To my surprise, a loaf of barley bread tumbled into the camp of Midian. It came to the tent and struck it so that it fell and overturned, and the tent collapsed. And then his companion answered, and he said, This is nothing else but the sword of Gideon, the son of Joash, a man of Israel. Into his hand, God has delivered the whole camp. Now, notice that. God said, Gideon, it's time to move out. Get up and go down and check out the situation. And if you're afraid, then take Pura, your 
friend, your servant with you. Now, now I think that's actually pretty interesting, actually pretty funny, because Gideon, he was afraid and, and he probably should have been sent home with the first, you know, envoy of fearful people. But God chose to use him anyway. And we don't know why, but he surely did. Probably just because of the grace of God. The grace of God. And God said, when you get down there, you're going to hear what they say. And then you're going to be strengthened. Notice God speaks to Gideon and tells him to go down to the camp of Pura. And the Midianites and the Amalekites had so many soldiers, they looked like grasshoppers. And Gideon sneaks up close to here at that moment. And it's right at that moment a man is telling his buddy about a dream that he had of, of a cake of barley bread that had tumbled into the tent of the Midianites and the tent collapsed and it fell. And the buddy, the guy, he interpreted the dream. And his interpretation was this. We are toast. Rodney 1-1. It's over. It's over for us. He said the sword of Gideon. That's what it is. God has given the Midianites into their hands. But it's just you got to see this. God has given a dream to an enemy unbeliever. And God gives them the correct interpretation that's interesting to me. I don't really know why, but it just is. I mean, this, this heathen unbeliever saw a loaf of barley bread, and the interpretation was the defeat of this formidable foe called the Midianites. Now, this is really interesting because only poor people eat barley. Barley is a poor man's grain. And so the message is God is going to defeat the middle nobodies and so he takes the weak things of the confound the mighty you see that fascinating fascinating notice we got to move on in verse 15 and so it was when Gideon heard the telling of the dream and its interpretation would you notice what he did he worshiped and that's another thing You can't be used of God if you're not a worshiper. You got to worship God. I'm not talking about lifting your hands and swaying back and forth. Eyes roll up in your head. I'm not talking about running around and be a worshiper of God. I'm talking about worshiping God. You know, I know people who worship the Lord, they never raise their hands. They never close their eyes and they worship God. I know people who pray and they don't close their eyes. Did you know when Jesus prayed, he did not close his eyes? The Bible says when Jesus was in the garden and he prayed, he lifted up his eyes. Be careful how you judge people. Got their eyes open. They ain't worshiping the Lord because they ain't doing what I do. Like you do it right. Gideon, did you see this? Did you see this? He hears this dream, hears his interpretation, and he worshiped into the camp of Israel, and he said, Arise for the Midian. And now he's excited. Now he's excited. Arise for the Lord is your hands. And then he divided the 300 men into three companies, and he put a trumpet. This is fascinating. Check this out. He put a trumpet in every man's hand with pitchers and torches, and he said to them, Look at me. This is Leadership 101. Look at me and do likewise. Watch 
And when I come to the edge of the camp, you shall do as I do. Blow the trumpet, I and all who are with me. Then you also blow the trumpet on every side of the whole. I want you to say the sword of the Lord and Gideon and the hundred men in verse 19 who were with him came to the outpost beginning of the 2 a.m. in the nighttime. Just as they had posted the watch and they blew the trumpet and broke the pitchers that were in their hand. Three companies blew the trumpets and broke the pitchers. They held the torches in their left hand and the trumpets in their right. That would be the shofar, by the way, the shofar. They held the, 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 the torches in their left hand and the trumpet right hands for blowing. And they cried the sword of the Lord and Gideon and every man stood all around the camp. And the whole army ran and they cried out and they fled. And when the 300 blew the trumpets, the Lord set every man's sword against his companion throughout the whole camp. The army fled to that place and that place and that place and that place and that place. Well, you give it a shot. And the men of Israel, in verse 23, gathered together from Naphtali, Asher, and all of Manasseh and pursued the Midianites. Now, th- that, that's pretty interesting. I mean, when the war and when you got to go to supply to get your armor and get all the things you need. As I went to Desert Storm, I had to do this. And so can you imagine going to, you know, sign up for, you know, going to a battle or whatever. You go to supply to check out your gear and they hand you, in this case, they hand you a trumpet, a pitcher, and a Yankee candle. Okay, how are we going to defeat the Midianites? Are we going to you know, play our trumpet and sing when the saints come marching in. I mean, how's this going to work out? What is up with this? So God even takes the weak things of the world to put to shame the mighty. Trumpet and a, and, a, and a pot and a pitcher. And what happened was they took the, the candle or the torch and they put it inside the, the pot, the clay pot. And they took the uh, trumpet and they surrounded the camp of the and when Gideon said, move and move out and let's go, they began to shout the sword of the Gideon and they broke their, their pitchers and the light was shining. When the Midianites woke up, they woke up, they were startled. They were like, oh, oh what are we doing? The lights are glaring in there and they don't know what's going on. I mean, they, and, and, and remember, it was the, only the Midianites. It was also verse 12. T- verse 12 tells us it was the Amalekites and they didn't get along. And so they're like, oh, what's going on? What's happening? What's happening here? And because they didn't get along, they thought maybe the Amalekites were coming after them or the Midianites were coming after them. And they began to kill each other. And the 300 men that God used to go against the Midianites at that time to strike one of them. Why? Because we serve a mighty. Now, this is strategy. That only God can, that only God can come up with, and they began to kill each other. Well, then Gideon in verse two, messengers throughout all the mountains of Ephraim, saying, "Come down against the Midianites and seize from them the watering places as far as Bethbara and Jordan." Then all the men of Ephraim gathered together and seized the watering places as far as Bethbara and Jordan, and they captured two princes of the Midianites. Oreb, which means raven, and Zeb, which means elf. Do not name your sons Oreb and Zeb. 
They killed Oreb at rock of Oreb and Zeb build at the winepress of Zeb. Now, understand something. Whenever you hear or see in the Bible that they killed someone at the rock, what that means is, is they took them to the rock and they cut off their head. And this is where they killed them. This is how these men died. And they pursued Midian and brought the heads of Zeb to Gideon on the other side of the Jordan. That's one of my favorite verses. That's amazing. They cut off your head and they walk through town and, hey, hey, hey look at this, look at this. They're walking, hey, we got the kings, you know. And, you know it's kind of weird, but that's what they do. And uh, amazing, amazing victory for Israel. And we don't have time to look at it, but if you're not, actually, you know what? This battle went down as classic history. I and mean, this is like this story right here throughout the history of Israel was it was written as a song. Actually, you'll find it in Psalm 83, verse 11. You'll also find it in Isaiah 9, verse 4. For you have broken the yoke of his burden and the staff of his shoulder, the rod of the oppressor. The people never forgot this story. Isaiah 10, 26. All throughout the Bible, this story is remembered and it is a classic in the history of Israel. Israel, before you leave, let me give you a verse that I want you to home and think about, because this is what I think about when I read this chapter. Romans chapter 8, verse 31, read it with me. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, isn't that great? How did they get the victory? Oh, I'm the least, and I'm the least of the least within my family, and my family's the least, and God said it's not about who you are. It's about whose you are. And the truth is, if God is for you, listen, if God is for you, then who can be against you? Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. They got the victory because of the Lord. God gave them the victory. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light. Let me be a salt.